Hey, welcome Grace Church. It's great to have you here this morning. My name is Justin Ross, and like you, I am tempted to look around at what other people have, or what they look like, or what their experiences have been, or what they're doing, what they think. And like you, I am tempted to say, where's mine? Like, why, why, why can't I have what they have? Why can't I do what they do? What about me? Like, where's, where's mine? I'm tempted to compare myself to others. I'm tempted to covet what others have. But what I've come to learn, and honestly it's through many hard knocks in life and many times choosing the wrong things and doing the wrong things, I've come to learn this. There is absolutely no benefit in comparison. There's there's no value in comparing yourself to someone else. We gain nothing but heartache when we compare ourselves to others. But here's the good news this morning. There is a way to walk in victory over the, over the pitfall of comparison. And today we're going to learn how we're finishing up a three-week series and we're dealing with the topic of comparison or what the Bible calls coveting. And I thought I was the only one that struggled in this area of comparison. I thought I was the only one that struggled with this, but I've come to learn because of your feedback from this series that I think all of us struggle with this. We all look to what other people do or what other people have, and we say, gosh, why, why can't I do that? Why not me? We all have this struggle. We all compare ourselves to other people, and it makes us feel superior sometimes when we care, compare ourselves to some, and other times it makes us feel inferior when we compare ourselves to others. You know, I see your car that you drive. I see their house that they live in. I see where their kids are going to school or the, you know, the trips that they're going on. And I look and I see, and I mean, it could be anything. It could be anything that you're comparing yourself to or that you're coveting. And whatever it is that you're comparing yourself to, there's no benefit. It doesn't bring any value to you and your life. There's no advantage. There's no like, aha, I am so glad I was thinking about what they had because that just makes me feel better about myself. It doesn't work that way. Pastor Andy Stanley put it this way. There is always someone with a bigger-er. Okay, She's skinnier. He's richer. They're nicer. Their kids are smarter. There's always someone with a bigger er. And then you have the est people. Okay? You have to be the smart est. You have to be the skinny est. You have to be the rich est. And there is no benefit when we compare ourselves to others or covet what others have. There's no, there's no value. There's no gain. And last week we learned that one of the tools to overcoming comparison is contentment. Being content with what God has given you. Being content. But this morning what we're going to try to unpack is this tension that exists between contentment and being complacent. How do we be content with what God has given us but not lazy? How do we be content with what God has given us but, but man, we don't lose our drive. We don't lose our passion. What's this? 
how do we navigate this path of being content but not being complacent? You see, we all have needs. I mean, you need water. You need clothing. You need a roof over your head. We need heat in the winter. We all have needs, and we all have wants. Like, we want to be happy. We want to have fun. We want to enjoy life. We all want a variety of different things. And having needs, catch this, having needs and having wants is not sinful. It's not wrong to have needs. It's not wrong to have wants. We have these desires within us. But far too often, our wants, or maybe what we think we need, it can spill over into this unhealthy area, an area that the Scripture calls coveting or comparison. And trying to manage all these needs internally, like within yourself, trying to manage, trying to navigate this path, it can create a tension within us. It can be difficult at times. And so today what I want to do is I want to read to you a parable that Jesus taught. It's found in Matthew chapter 25. So if you brought your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 25. And if you didn't bring your Bible, it's okay. We're going to show the verses on the screen. You can follow along that way. But before we do that, you need to know what a parable is. Okay, Maybe you're like, what is a parable? Never heard that before. A parable is a made-up story. It's a story that Jesus made up to make a point or to teach a point. So Jesus made up this story. It didn't really happen. It's fictional, okay? It didn't really happen. And he told this story to teach us a lesson. He wasn't lying. He was just simply telling a story to teach a lesson. So a parable is a made-up story to teach one point, to make one point very clear for us. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives a bunch of parables back to back to back. And sometimes after Jesus shared a parable, so he would share a story, and, and when he was done sharing that story, he would just walk away. And people were left like, what? 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 Like, that's it? I don't understand. It was almost like he just did a parable mic drop. Boom. And he just walked away, okay? He would share a story, and that was it. And people were left even somewhat confused. Sometimes after Jesus shared a parable, he would explain what they meant. Other times, he would, uh, you know, just walk away. So in this section of parables, Jesus shares these stories or these made up, you know, these made up stories. They're, they're fictional, and he tells them back to back to back, one right after the other. And in this section, he, he tells these stories without an explanation. But when you read these stories, it all begins to make sense what Jesus was communicating. Also, you need to know that often when Jesus would share a parable, he would begin by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So parables were a way to help us understand how God works, to help us understand how the kingdom of heaven works. And more specifically, it was a way to help us understand how God views you. All right? So parables are incredible teaching tools, but sometimes when you're reading them in the scriptures, they can be a little confusing. And so in this specific parable uh, that we're going to read in Matthew chapter 25, there's a surprise ending. All right? So you need to stay engaged to the, to the very end. All right? Because there's a surprise ending. So a parable is a made-up story to teach a point. It didn't really happen. So let's read the parable in Matthew chapter 25. Now, this is a famous one. Uh, in your Bible, the heading in your Bible probably calls it the parable of the talents. 
Or maybe it calls it the parable of the three servants. And um, actually, one other thing I almost forgot to say. In your translation, it may say a talent. And you're wondering, what is that? Is this a talent show? No, a talent is a measure of money. Okay, so the New Living Translation, the, the translation that we're reading this morning, it refers to it as money. But your translation might say talent. Just know that it's a measure of money. Okay, so now that I've told you all about it, let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, Jesus said this. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by, or the kingdom of heaven is like a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Okay, that word entrusted is so important. He didn't give them his wealth or his money. He entrusted his money to them. Okay, I'm I'm going on a trip and I'm going to allow you to manage my money while I'm gone. And the whole idea is I expect you to do with my wealth what I would do with my wealth. All right, verse 15. So there's three servants that come forward and he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to the other, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Okay, so like a good owner or like a good boss or a leader would do, he gave out responsibility to these three servants according to their abilities. According to their abilities. Now remember, this is a made-up story, but it's already like real life. I mean, any good leader is going to do that. He's going to find someone that is has some abilities and has some talent and has proven him or herself, and he's going to give, he or she's going to give more responsibility to that servant. And so he gives one five bags of silver because this one's been proven themselves. They're, they're really talented and skilled. He gives another one two bags. And the third servant, he gives, like, we're going to give him a chance. That's kind of the thinking, all right? We're going to give him one, see how he handles it. There's always those who have more, and there's always those who have less. Let's keep reading. He, the master, then left on his trip. Verse 16. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work. I don't see any complacency in this parable. The one with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, we haven't even read the end of the story, but you can already sense, like, gosh, when the master comes back, I'm a little nervous for that third servant. Like, he just buried his money. We already know instinctively, like, that's probably not the best idea. Jesus continues, verse 19. After a long time, okay, this little phrase is really important. After a long time means after a lifetime. When Jesus, in all of his parables, when you see that phrase, after a long time, it means after someone has lived their entire life. Okay, so that's the idea. After a lifetime, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. In other words, the master is he's calling those three servants and he's going to ask them, what did you do with what you had? And they're going to have to give an account for what they did. Verse 20. 
The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. He doubled the money and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest or to steward, and I have earned five more. Verse 21, the the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. And at this point in the story, the audience that's listening to Jesus tell the story, they all gasp. What? Like, small amount? Five bags of silver? That's, That's like years and years of wages. Like, financially speaking, this is not a small amount. But you can already see and you can sense that Jesus is talking about so much more than money. Yes, this, in his perspective, this is, a, this is a little thing. This is a small amount. There's so much more to life than money. At this point, everyone was just like, oh, wow, you know, this small amount. He, he goes on to say, you have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So once again, the master in the story He did what any good employer or leader or manager would do. Because the servant proved himself, more responsibility was given to him. Okay, verse 22. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest or to do something with. And I have earned two more. Once again, the first two servants doubled the master's money. And the master said the same thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Okay, at this point in the story, it makes a little shift. You know, I kind of picture or I kind of hear the background music changing. All right, maybe it changes to the Imperial March. You know, Darth Vader's theme music. I mean, the, the story is changing. The last servant, okay, I kind of picture him, he, he, he shows up to the meeting a little bit late because he forgot where he buried his bag of silver. He's been trying to find where he buried it. In verse 24, this is the third servant. This is the one that buried the money. The servant with the one bag of silver came and said, now, now notice for just a moment, notice that he doesn't start with you gave me or you entrusted me. Somehow this third servant lost sight that the master is the one who gave him or entrusted him with this money to steward, to do something with it. He lost sight of that. And so the third servant says, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man. Immediately he points the finger of blame. Immediately he starts to play the blame game. He's trying to take the spotlight off of him and he's trying to blame Someone else. I knew that you were a harsh man. He's trying to make it the master's fault that he didn't steward the money well. And he says, you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I mean, basically he's saying, I know what kind of a guy you are. Like, you're all about winning. You're, you leave a big wake. Like, you're all about just growth and you're all about doubling and I know what kind of a guy you are 
And you can see him pointing his finger, the third servant, at the master saying, you, you, blame, blame, blame. He's trying to blame anything and everything instead of taking responsibility. Verse 25. I was afraid I would lose your money. Okay, so he's blaming. And now he pulls a different card and it's the sympathy card. All right? Now he's saying, gosh, I was afraid of you, master. I was afraid that I would lose your money. I was afraid of taking a risk because it might fail. I was afraid. Now, before you get mad at me, Master, you need to understand that this is really your fault because of the way you are. Can you see the thinking? I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Now, look, here is your money back. Now, I have to be honest with you. When I was reading this story personally, I did have the thought that this third servant is giving the money back. There's probably a little dirt on the bag, but he's giving the money back in exactly the same condition that he received it. He didn't lose it. So in my thinking, I'm like, gosh, that's not too bad. You know, at least he didn't lose it. He gave the money back, and it's all there. He didn't steal any. Verse 26. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, notice, he's not mad at the servant because he did something bad. He's mad at the servant because he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He goes on to say, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Like, at least I could have gotten some interest on it. This, this third servant was so lazy that he wouldn't even take the money to the bank. He just buried it. He dug a hole. He didn't see this as something entrusted to him. He didn't see this as, as something that he needed to do something with. He missed the whole point. Verse 28. This is the master speaking. Then he, the master, ordered, take the money from this third servant, and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. Now this, this is tough for us, especially in our culture. This is tough for us. Because we like to get on our spiritual high, high horse, and we like to say, wait, 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 Jesus, this isn't fair. Like, wait a minute, you're going to take the bag of money from this guy, and you're going to give it to the rich guy? Like, this makes no sense. Jesus, this isn't fair. And Jesus is like, hey, calm down. This, this story isn't even real, right? Like, I'm making this up. Calm down. But everyone knows, you know instinctively, you know deep down that you give more opportunity to the ones who make something of the opportunities that they've already been given. You know this. Like you would be out of your mind if you gave opportunity to someone and they squandered it away and they have done nothing but fail and fail and fail, you would be out of your mind to say, I'm going to give you more opportunity because I see such a horrible path behind you. I'm just going to give you more. Like you will not be a good leader. You will not be in business long. You know that you're going to give more responsibility to those who steward their current responsibilities well. It's common sense. Verse 29. To those who use well what they are given, this is Jesus telling the story, 
to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. It's common sense. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And we think, I have to be honest with you, I struggled with this at times. I'm like, man, this doesn't sound very Christian. This doesn't sound right even sometimes. Now, now here's the surprise ending. Okay, are you ready for the next part? You've got to brace yourselves for this one. Verse 30. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And now most of us immediately think, what? Like, he got thrown into hell? Like, what? This is, this is crazy. This is too intense of a story, Jesus. So obviously, Jesus is teaching us that if you don't manage your money well, you go to hell. All right? So let's close in prayer. And uh, thank you for coming to church. All right. No. He didn't get thrown into hell. Okay? Let's just clarify that. The master doesn't throw him into hell. So remember, this is a fictitious story to make a point. So, so what does it mean? What does it mean to throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth? What does that mean? It means, throwing him into outer darkness means to throw him out of my inner circle or out of my presence. It means to fire him. Fire him. He is, he is not taking care of his responsibilities. Fire him. So what does it mean, weeping and gnashing of teeth? All right? This is just my perspective. But I think this applies to both men and women. When we fail to realize our potential or we look back on our life and there's all kinds of regret, I think women tend to usually respond with weeping. And men tend to respond with grinding their teeth. Like, ah, I didn't do it. I didn't, ah, you know, like I didn't, I didn't take care of my responsibilities. Ah, I should have, I should have, I could have, I would have. Oh, if I could only do it again, you know. That's gnashing of teeth. Oh. It's realizing that you missed an opportunity. It's looking back on your life. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. There's a song, but I won't sing it for you, okay? If only I could have done more. I should have said yes. If only I would have shown up. If only, if only, if only. So what does Jesus do next? He just goes on to the next parable. That's what he does next. All right? And people are like, wait, wait a minute. What in the world? Like, give us some explanation, Jesus. It's a cliffhanger. People are left to wrestle with it. When you read the rest of the parables, this is the theme that, that becomes very clear. All right? Catch this. This is the theme. It's not about what you have. What matters most is what you do with what you have. Okay, this is the theme that comes out of the parables that Jesus share, shares in, the, in this, this section of the scriptures. It's not about what you have. What matters most is what you do with what you have. It's not me comparing how much stuff I have to how much stuff you have. That's not the point. The point is what am I doing with what I haven't been entrusted with? What am I doing with what I have? See, the reality is we, 
We all have something. All of us do. The issue isn't what you have or what you start off with. The issue is what you do with what you have. And Jesus says, this is the way the kingdom of heaven operates. This is the way the kingdom of heaven functions. So what about you? I have to ask you, what about you? When you walked in this morning, hopefully you saw yourself in that mirror. I think for those in the back, it still might be like, hey, there I am, you know. Hopefully you saw yourself in the mirror. We actually had this mirror up here, which was kind of awkward for this side probably during the music. This mirror. You see yourself? You can wave. Feel free. Yeah. Hey. All right. Cool. That's you. Okay? We all have different personalities. We all have different giftings and different talents. And we all have different upbringings. Different experiences, some good, some bad. None of us had a say or had a choice in where we were born or what family we were born into or what race we were going to be. It's you. This is you. All of us have time, all of us have a a certain network of friends. You have some sort of influence with, you know, with your family or in business or in the community. We all have different families. You have some level of education. You have dreams. You have plans. You have some measure of money. As Christians, you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit of God. And we've all been gifted, uh, gifted rather differently. You see, God has uniquely created you and gifted you to live a life of purpose on purpose. God has uniquely created and gifted you to live a life that makes a difference. God did not make a mistake when he made you. He didn't have some cookie cutter mold like I'm just going to pump out a bunch of humans here. They all look the same and think the same. No. We're diverse. We think differently. We have different giftings and personalities and we look differently. There's not one of us exactly the same. We're unique. And God is infinitely creative and brilliant. And every time He creates, He does so with intention, on purpose. You are here on purpose for a purpose. There is no one exactly like you. It's so cool. It's incredible. You know, this side of the room, you thought you were going to get out of it, but no, that's you. That's you right there. Okay? That's you. That's you. question is not how much do you need. The question is not how much do you want. The question is, is what are you going to do with what you've been given? What are you going to do with what makes you, you? You see, through this parable, Jesus was simply saying, it's not about what you have. What matters most is what you do with what you have. 
That's what matters most. You know, you know what's really fascinating to me? Well, just it's just so fascinating. Our favorite stories are not of those who started out with everything. You know, when we watch a show on TV or we read a book, the most fascinating stories to us, our favorite stories, are the people who started out with nothing. Or people who were, uh, you know, born on the wrong side of the tracks. Or people that they started out with nothing, they had very little, and they ended up doing incredible things with their lives. You know, maybe it was the person that came from a bad family or they didn't have any money or maybe they, they had really bad health. And it's the individual that overcame all kinds of obstacles to get to a place where they made something beautiful out of their life. Like those are the stories that inspire us and that we really enjoy to read. Whenever we read those stories, we think, wow, like that's just incredible. That's so inspiring. You know what we don't hear from those individuals? Those individuals that started from nothing and, man, they ended up having a, an incredibly beautiful life. We don't hear this. You know, every morning, I would eventually just roll out of bed. And the first thing I would do is I would begin to think about what other people had. That's what I do. that, And I would do that day in and day out and, bam, like here I am. We don't hear that. You see... People that, gosh, they, they live a blessed life, they know that it doesn't matter where you started or what you have. It's about what you do with what you have that makes a difference. They know that. And that's true of every person, of every race, every culture, every people group. It's true whether you believe in God or not. And when Jesus taught this parable, the point he was making was this. When whatever you've been given, everything that makes you, you, has been placed into your hands by God. It's been given to you on purpose. The good and the bad. It's all been filtered through his love and his grace and his plan for your life. And it is a waste of your time to complain about what's there or what isn't there. That's a waste of your time. Because what you have is not the point. What you have is your opportunity to do something spectacular with what's been given you. What you've been given is irrelevant. It's what you do with what you have that matters. You see, the Old and New Testaments of the Scripture, they both teach that we all either get to or that we're all going to have to Stand before God someday and give an account for what God has entrusted, what God has put into our hands. We're going to give an account. God, I was, I was born poor. I was born into a war-torn country. I was born with nothing, but God, this is what I did with what you gave me. This is what I did with what you entrusted me. God, I was born rich. I, I, I had all the educational opportunities that you could... Ever imagine, God, this is what I did with the opportunities, with what you gave me. This is what I did with it. Whatever it is, like wherever you are, wherever you started, whatever you have, you, the point is, you are responsible. 
You are responsible for what has been entrusted to you. You get the opportunity to one day stand before God and say, God, here's what I did with what you gave me to steward or to manage. Every day, you know, we're tempted to compare ourselves to others, to to covet what other people have. You know, if only I had that kind of money. If only I looked like him. If only I was, you know, athletic like her. And God is saying, that's irrelevant. That's, that doesn't matter. You see, when you stand before God, God is not going to compare you to anyone else. He's going to say, what did you do with what I entrusted to you? What did you do with that? And when we compare ourselves, we end up doing exactly what the third servant did. We end up blaming God. God, if only you would have you know, arrange things differently in my life. God, if, if only you would have made me like him or made me like her. If only you would have given me more skill or better health. God, if only you wouldn't have allowed that tragedy to happen in my life. If only this, if only that. God, it's your fault that I'm being irresponsible and complacent and lazy. It's your fault, God. But Jesus said, it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of heaven. That's not how it works. As we read this parable, we know deep down that we don't want to be like that third servant. The question is, is what are you going to do with what you've been given? It's not about what you have. It's about what you've been given. If we could take the last three weeks of this series and we could squeeze it down to its essence... You could say, what's the point of these last three weeks that we've been together? What's the point? I I would boil it down to these two points. Okay, These would be the, the takeaways that I hope that you walk away with. Number one is I need to be the me that God created me to be. Okay, If you walk away with anything, walk away with this. You need to be who God has created you to be. Don't try to be like me or anybody else. You need to be you. And you need to be who God has created you to be. Every time you're tempted to look to the left or look to the right, every time you're tempted to look in that mirror, you need to say, "That's you are not my mirror. He's not my mirror. She's not my mirror. My brother-in-law is not my mirror. My co-worker is not my mirror. That's... That's not who I'm comparing myself to. God, you are my mirror. I want to be like you, Father. I want to be more Christ-like. God, you are my mirror, and I'm going to take what I've been given, and I'm going to make the most out of it. You see how it's already just a change of perspective? Number two, we squeezed it down to its essence I hope that you would walk away with this. For the rest of your life, I would encourage you to celebrate what God has given other people. When you celebrate what God has given other people, it takes the focus off of what you don't have. Gosh, celebrate what God has given other people and then multiply, increase, grow, leverage what God has given you. Celebrate what other people have and multiply what you have. Celebrate what other people have. Multiply what you have. So don't compare yourself to what others have. Celebrate what they have. And then leverage to the fullest what God has given you, what He's entrusted to you. You know, I give 
an account. When I give an account for my life before God, he's going he's gonna to ask me to give an account for my life. I'm not going to have to answer for all your decisions. I'm going to have to answer for how I managed, how I leveraged, how I multiplied what he entrusted to me. And I know, I want to say, God, I want, I want to, to multiply what you have placed in my hands in such a way that at the end of my life, what, regardless of what other people do or regardless of what other people have, I will be able to say with great honor, this is what I did with what you entrusted to me. And God, I am thrilled that I was able to multiply what you entrusted to me. And once again, remember, money is just a small matter. I mean, think about your creativity. Think about your giftings. Think about your talent. Think about your teaching. Think about your knowledge. Think about the wisdom. Think about your family. That's what God's talking about. You know, there is extraordinary fulfillment waking up every morning at the center of God's will. When you are who you're supposed to be and you're living out God's calling in your life, there's nothing like it. You're not comparing yourself to anyone. You feel fulfilled. You feel like this is what life is supposed to be. It's so awesome. And so in closing, can you imagine what would happen in our communities? Can you imagine what would happen in our church, in our families, in our nation if we embraced this idea? of being exactly who God has called or God has made you to be. Can you imagine the difference it might make in your parenting as you bring up your kids and you're just encouraging them? Like, I'm not trying, little Susie, to make you like little Joe. I want you to be little Susie. Like, how has God made you? And be that to the fullest. Can you imagine what difference it might make? So let's wake up every day and let's be who God has called us to be because it will give Him maximum glory and it will give you ultimate joy and satisfaction. Let me close in prayer this morning. Father God, I'm going to invite the band up to you. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the example of this parable. And it doesn't matter what we have. That's irrelevant. What matters is what we do with what we have. And Father, I pray that we would multiply, we would increase, we would leverage the giftings and talents and abilities and just everything that makes us, us. I pray that we would multiply it for your glory and for other people's benefit. I pray that we would just do that for the rest of our lives, that we would take what has been placed in our hands and we would offer it back to you as an act of worship. Father, I pray that people would be set free this morning from the bondage of comparison. I pray that they would be content with what you've given them, but they wouldn't be complacent. And Father, that they would walk forward in boldness and in confidence, using all their passions and all, man, all the ways that you've made them who they are, and they would just give it to you. Father, we love you. We worship you. And I pray that you would work in this time to speak to people and do what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. We, we intentionally wanted to have a reflection time. Keith and the, and the band, they're going to play some music, sing us a song. But We just wanted to have a little space for the Holy Spirit 
to do what he does and to speak to you. And I just want you to reflect on what you've heard. I want you to listen to what God might be speaking to you right now. And I I thought some prompting questions would be helpful. So I'm going to give you three and then I'm going to shut up. The first question is, where do you need to stop comparing? Like where in your life have you been comparing yourself to others and it hasn't benefited you at all? Where do you need to stop? Identify that. Number two, how, how can you better use what God has given you? Like, think about what makes you tick, what makes you you. And how can you better use that for His glory? And then number three, how can you be the me that God has created you to be? I mean, once again, maybe you need some, some guidance, some help. Ask the Father. That's the best place to start. Go to the Father through the Holy Spirit. Say, Father, I... I don't even really know who I am. Can you help me? Can you provide the right people, the right tools, the right teaching? And help me to be who you have made me to be. So let's just uh, allow the, the Holy Spirit to speak to us during this time.